0: Hello and welcome back to another episode of Beyond the To-Do List. I'm your host, Eric Fisher, and this is the show where I talk to the people behind the productivity. This week, we are revisiting a conversation I had with David Allen, author and originator of the getting things done mentality and the book Getting Things Done. GTD is a common productivity starting point for many people, but often some people in the productivity space as well as... Those that read the book kind of move on from it, unfortunately. And so in this conversation, David and I talk about some of those biggest objections or hiccups people have in terms of the GTD methodology. And that's not to say that other pieces to the productivity puzzle can't be attached To GTD, but I just think personally, GTD is a great way of either starting out or moving in and/or further deeper into anything you anything else you may already have. It may complete some of the missing puzzle piece of things you've cobbled together already in terms of getting rid of your overwhelm and giving you focus and clarity and confidence and helping you often organize and actually do that homework that needs to be done in order to dig deeper into what is the next task necessary for these projects that you've got in front of you. Because often that's what's keeping you from doing anything, is not knowing what's next on that project. So uh, I'm going to get out of the way and just say, enjoy this conversation with David Allen. Well, this week, it is my privilege to welcome back for, I think, the third, fourth, or fifth time. I don't know. It's David Allen. David, welcome back. Hi, Eric. I'm delighted to be back again. Thank you for the invitation. In the mail, I got the Getting Things Done workbook. It's brand new. It's just out. And as I was flipping through it, I couldn't help but think, where was this years ago when I was trying to understand Getting Things Done?
1: (laughs) Well, that's why we did
0: it, actually. The original book came out in 2001. I read it a couple years later, 03, 04, somewhere in there. And I was still a few years fresh out of college, sitting doing data entry. And during my lunch break, was sitting and reading the book. and. It blew me away. Obviously, that book, because you had an updated version that you came on and talked about a while ago. uh, When was that? Um, 14, 15?
1: 15,
0: 15, yeah. Basically, the goal there was update the language, update or streamline the approachability to the methodology. And then if that wasn't enough, then you came out with getting things done for teens, which in a lot of ways is even a more simplified version of it. It was great to have that come out and be a way for me to approach getting things done that my daughter, who just started high school now and really needs it and is in, you know, we're going through it. And in fact, I think we're going to go through the workbook, too. And now the workbook. So uh, that's the progression for me. And and honestly, in some ways for you is this continual simplification. Can you shed any light on this process of the original GTD through to now and that kind of simplifying, getting people on board or even refreshing them? Because that's – I mean – I'll be on, I'm talking too much here, but that's kind of, I'm geeking out on this because it's a really cool workbook. And it really got me to a degree I didn't realize excited about GTD again, though I always was, this is like a renewal of it.
1: Well, (laughs) it's been, uh, the progression has been agonizing, quite frankly. You know, I'm not an instructional designer. Uh, I'm not even a really good trainer. I'm a pretty good presenter. I can sort of turn people on with it, but You know, in the early days, I didn't ever want to do anything less than a full two-day seminar where I delivered the whole game that I had uncovered, discovered, you know, formulated, um, you know, in in all these years and a lot of experience. And anything less than that, I thought I was doing short shrift because it's such a holistic model. And so the book was daunting. For most people, you know, I could I could get people enthralled in two days, but they'd walk out and not do anything. I could, you know, they'd walk out hypnotized and think, well, gee, that's really great stuff, but I have no idea how to do it and what to do. So it's been really a long process of uh, connecting with people who do know, you know, a lot more about, you know, the difference between presentation and training is training actually changes behavior. You know, or that's its its objective. Presentation just says, "Ta-da!" Hope you like the presentation and get something out of it. Uh, But the the whole idea of being able to lower the barrier of entry for people to engage with this. Because, you know, getting things done was truly 25 years of my life and work. I put together in a manual. It wasn't really designed as training. It was designed to be a manual. In case I got run over by a bus, I knew it was all in there. And anybody who had ears to hear, eyes to see, you know, could at least pick up the book and that would be the methodology. So when I say it's, it was agonizing, it's like I, it took me 25 years to figure out what I'd figured out and that it was unique. Nobody else seemed to have done that and that it was bulletproof. But then I figured probably take the rest of my life to figure out how to distribute it and make it stick. So, you know, you you, you have you have recognized the the trend and the pattern, which is lowering the barrier. What's been challenging and I think we've done a pretty good job is not really stepping down the methodology as we've done that. It's all there. You know, it's all, it's all in there in a sense. Uh, but giving people a lot easier way to step into it, thats that's been the objective.
0: If there's anything I can speak to in terms of the strength of the workbook, it's just the the clarity and the speed at which somebody could sit down and, and go through this workbook and understand the methodology. They could create a workflow, they can create a system, and they can understand the five steps of GTD and then even the 10 moves Inside of the five steps, and I'm see now. Even as I say that, it sounds like I'm making it more complicated. But it couldn't be less complicated as you look at this workbook.
1: Thanks. Well, I'm glad to hear it. I mean, the, as far as I'm concerned, the jury was kind of out. You know, I guess it, we'll we'll see. You know, how easily it is. But it's nice to hear uh, from somebody. You know, from from your perspective that you think it works. So yay. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm a little too close into it. Sure. You know, it's like you know, so. I go well. Hope, hopefully, that was that was the objective. So nice to hear, at least for you. Yeah, uh, it, it achieved that. Yay!
0: Well, it, it's one of the things that I mean. As you could hear, as I was initially gushing about the workbook earlier, that uh, you know it got me more excited about GTD than I had been in a while. And and again, it's not speaking bad about the methodology. It's just that when you live with something for so long, you kind of just take it as it's the status quo. And I think what this did was refresh and even recalibrate or you know give extra clarity to it not just for myself but I finally in some, I'll, I'll, I'll give you this this is this is my highest paid compliment here. I from this workbook figured out oh, I now know how to get my wife on board with GTD. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, so I guess in in a sense, you've finally hit the jackpot with this workbook uh, in terms of getting the message and the methodology of DTD across that somebody else can teach someone who's a, averse to it how to do it.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you can lead a horse to water, but you know, so but hopefully, the make the, the, the troughs easier to, for them to drink from here.
0: So I thought that what might be interesting, since we're talking about simplifying the methodology, what if we did a quick overview of GTD again for the last time or for the next time or whatever, and then kind of dip into, again, some of the places that people have objections or comments or questions when it comes to the methodology?
1: Sure. This is probably the simplest 20-second version of it is to make sure that any potentially meaningful thing that... You can't finish the moment you think of it, but might need to decide or do something about it. You know, at some future time, you need to capture that. That's step one. Write it down, get it out of your head into some sort of trusted bucket. You need, then need to decide what specifically you are going to do about it or committed to do about it. What are you committed to finish about it? So action and outcome thinking is just a thought process you apply That step two is clarify what you wrote down. And then step three is to organize the results of that thinking. Here's the action step I need to take about mom's birthday. Here's the project called Give Mom a Birthday Party that I need to put in a project list. That's then organized. I need to then park reminders in the right places that I'll see them at the right time so nothing's going to slip through my cracks. That's the primary sort of first three things. And then you need to the step four and five is reflect and engage. So I need to reflect on the contents of that stuff. You know, I'm at a phone or I have time to run my errands. Like let me go look at all the stuff that I might that I've already determined the, the work that needs to get done. And then then I engage. So I then I engage my attention and my activities in a trusted way as opposed to, gee, I hope this is right. So that's the that's the simple you know, aspect of it. Then you ask, where do people sort of fall off or resist or push back on this? People say, oh, you know, do I really need all that? It looks, sounds like a lot of work to do. Uh, that's one kind of objective that it t- tends to show up, because everybody is already feeling overwhelmed. Gee, do I have to do something else in addition to what I already have? And the truth is uh, that it's not any extra work. It's decisions you're going to have to make about all your stuff at some point anyway. You know, it's just the, the the change in behavior there is to make those decisions when things first have your attention, as opposed to when the heat of the situation gets so hot you have to make a decision. You know, which. Is a big shift, you know, toward more stress-free productivity. People also say, "Gee, you know, I, I think what I have is enough." And I go, "Okay, fine." <laughs> My pushback from <laughs> that is, you know, uh, then let me go find the next person who is interested in this. You know, it's kind of like the old sales thing: get to know as fast as you can. You know, and so you don't waste your time of theirs. I, I think a lot of times people think that. Time management and, and productivity has a good bit of baggage around it. You know, as a concept, people it, it usually when you use the word, people think corporate OCD, button down, work harder, stress more, you know, sweat more, which is really a uh, sort of an inaccurate <laughs> and a rather immature way to think about what productivity is about. Productivity is simply about achieving desired experiences or results. So you know, if you go to a party to boogie and don't boogie, it's an unproductive party. So productivity really has a lot to do with just outcome and action thinking, which is something you actually have to train yourself to do. It is true you're not born doing that. So it is it is a new kind of a behavior to challenge people about. Any kind of a change is a change and kind of throw people somewhat out of their comfort zone to, you know, to do it. So those are some of the most common resistances people have to what they think that getting things done is about.
0: That sounds a lot to me like uh, one of the objections that I hear, especially in the, uh, the five steps. It's the clarify step. It's this, mm-hmm. they don't necessarily get stuck on the clarifying, the work of the clarifying. It's that they get stuck in the procrastinating of getting to the point of the clarifying. I think you actually even put it this way in the book. We need to think about our stuff more than we think we do, but not as much as we think we might have to think about it.
1: Correct. <laughs> I yeah, butchered yeah. that
0: quote, but it's close. No, no, so, yeah,
1: very close. Good for you. Yeah.
0: And, and I think that's the that's one of the biggest things when it comes to, quote, productivity in general and GTD for sure is sometimes people feel like, quote, it's a lot of work. But what they don't get is that this is work that you're either ignoring, setting aside the time to do or you're unaware that you're already doing it just in a much less efficient way.
1: Yeah. And, you know, I just read a quote. I'm I, sorry, I'll, I'll butcher it. And I, I, I'm sorry, I don't know who the source, the source was, but it was brilliant. He said, uh, work is not hard to do. Deciding what to do is the hard thing. You know, we actually love to work. We love to get things done. Those are your better days when you actually finish the meeting, you turn in the report, you, you finalize the plan, you you know, you clean the sink. We actually like to do those kinds of things and, and feel really good once the work has been defined in terms of what you need to do. But, you know, as I've said many times, the late, great Peter Drucker, the great management writer and guru, you know, said that defining your work is the toughest work to do. He didn't tell you how to do it. He just warned that in knowledge work, that was going to be the biggest obstacle for people. In other words, work is not self-evident. You actually have to make it up and then make it happen. And there's nobody on your team. You have to decide what to do about that email. The email does not. Yeah, maybe you might get an email that, that suggests what you ought to do next. But for the most part, you have to make those decisions. So again, to your point, it's not extra work to do. The, the work is actually easy to do once you define it. I want you to find the very, very, very next granular step to move the needle on something. Seldom are those next steps hard
0: to do. Well, this makes me think of meetings, (laughs) you know, where that's the talking about the work that needs to be done. But if the meeting feels like drudgery, think, think of the meeting as a metaphor for a broken clarifying system. Right. Yeah. Like yeah. if we're not clarifying what the next actions are or even what we want the outcomes to be in that meeting, then obviously the the meeting is unproductive. And so that's what it feels like. We take our experience with those meetings, but then we distill it down into our own uh productivity system or methodology when it comes to this clarifying step. But then it's just a committee of one. We already know what that person thinks. <laughs> Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, uh, you know, the problem is bad meetings produce bad emails, which produce bad meetings, which produce bad emails. And it's a a sort of a never ending sinkhole, you know, of unproductive and frustrating, you know, kind of experiences that a whole lot of people have.
0: I think one of the other pieces that and this even comes in the step prior to clarify is the capture step. People have a lot of issues here as well when (laughs) they're like, well, how many capture tools should I have is one of the things we hear a lot. I know you have a great answer for that.
1: As many
0: as you need. <laughs> well, and then they drill down and say, well, okay, but as many as I need, does that mean it needs to be all different forms? Like, and I know you've, you and I have discussed in the past, like digital versus analog, and it's, and it's the answer is yes. Yes. Whatever, whatever is going to work for you. And, and honestly, yeah. and here's another memory that's just hitting me right now is, uh, reading GTD for, for the first time clarified to me, Why I kept feeling this desire to carry around. This is before digital was like a, a, you know, a mobile thing, carry around a really tiny, you know, I don't know, the size, the the size of one of our phones these days, our smartphones, Mm -hmm. a, a little pad that I could stick in my pocket and a pen that was a click pen that, you know, I would make sure doesn't stab me in my pocket. So I could pull it out and write things down. And that, that was something that I picked up in high school, just randomly, just thinking, if I don't write this down, I'm going to forget. And obviously, because our mind is not set up to be that capturing tool.
1: Yeah, it d- did not evolve to remember, remind, prioritize, or manage relationships between more than four things. So, you know, that's, you know, I, and it's another, I, I think, and one of the reasons, uh, Eric, that people resist that whole capturing process is, I think, and, that, you know, I can't really prove this, but at least anecdotally, it's because it gives people a false sense of control to keep it in your head. I'm I'm hanging on to it. You feel so out of control and vulnerable to begin with. You don't want to externalize that and actually have to have to grapple with it. So you try to you try to just hang on to it. So it creates this sort of psychic constipation
0: or they don't decide to capture because they don't have the follow through or the the setup, the trusted system that a capture would then feed into that something's going to be done with that thing they captured.
1: Right. And, and, you know, most people are, if kind of like I suggest people get, you know, and that's one of the moves, you know, in the workbook is get yourself an in basket and you need one at home and one at work. You also need something that serves that function in transit. And people go, Ooh, an in basket in my house, I don't want an in basket in my house. And well, if you don't have an end basket in your house, your house is your end basket. So it's <laughs> not about, it's not a matter of whether you have one, it's a matter of size. You know, so most people's in baskets, you know, <laughs> their first capture place is the first flat surface inside their door. And then that gets so overwhelmingly full of all kinds of stuff that hasn't been distributed to the right people to make the right decisions about it, that it spills over onto the kitchen counter between the dining room and the kitchen. And then that spills over onto the dining room table. Half the dining room table is oftentimes, you know, an in basket. I've been there. I've seen them. So, you know, get one spot for you and one spot for everybody you live with. So that they know, hey, if if I need you to see it, so, you know, if, if you want, if your wife yeah. resists having an in-tray, say, well, gee, dear, if I have something important that I need you to see and that you need to see and you're not here, where should I put it? And then make that her functioning in-basket, wherever she says that's it. Even that can change a relationship, believe me.
0: <laughs> I feel like you're describing my life. <laughs> this is, this is, uh, you know, over the past, uh, few years here, the process that we've been going through here. Yeah. W- exactly. With the, the first flat surface that's through the door, as well as, uh, luckily I started getting into the rhythm of, Anything that came through the door, I was the one who would receive it. And then my inbox here on my desk was where, uh, which became the family inbox. And then that was able to kind of model it for people. One of the things though that comes up is the, uh, what do you do to Clear out that inbox, and at what kind of intervals? Obviously, one of the quickest ways is to follow the two-minute rule, and and I, in fact, will do that. Although sometimes I'll I'll save up a bunch of two-minute things, like paying bills, for example, which is one of the primary things that shows up in my inbox. I do not receive those all digitally; some of them I do, but uh, I will save those up, and I will designate a a certain point in time once a week where every bill that's come in since last time. That's when all those two minute rule, <laughs> two minute b- bill pay rules uh, will show up and I'll just check them all off. And I don't have to think about it. It's not on my mind. It's it's sitting there in an inbox or better yet, sitting there in a folder that's not in the inbox anymore. I've processed it out of the inbox into the bill folder for the next time on the calendar when it's time to sit down and pay those. Yay. That's yes, even yeah. further down the system, actually.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, no, that's good stuff.
0: So, but but some people out there are like, well, a two minute rule. Like, here's the thing: if I pick something up and I think it's two minutes, but then it turns into more, they get stuck and kind of frozen, and they're like, oh, this is now taking me more than two minutes. What do I do? Do I follow through here? Uh, do I set this aside? Do I? I don't even. I still don't even know how long of a task this is. It, it's almost turning into a project.
1: Yeah, well, there's a great solution for all that. Just get older.
0: Yeah. OK, what what do you <laughs> mean by that? Do you care less or no, no, do you- just
1: experience your experience will let you know how long these things. Take. Yes,
0: exactly. That's that was that was the point right there is one of the other things. Then uh, this this goes back to talking about people getting locked up on the, the clarity. Uh, the Sorry, the clarify step is wisdom, experience. Do enough clarifying and clarifying gets easier. It's like training your muscles. It finds it, it easier a, to do.
1: It, it is a cognitive muscle to train. You you weren't born. You didn't hop out of your mom and go, gee, mom, what exactly are we trying to accomplish? And what's the next <laughs> step? Is that is that yours or mine? You know, it's it's actually learned behavior. And a whole lot of very mature, sophisticated people still need to learn that behavior. Yeah and and practice that muscle. And you're right. You know, when I've coached executives and I spend two days or two weeks or whatever one on one you know, having them capture and clarify all their real stuff and going through several hours of them making next action decisions about all the stuff we gather together that, that's, that they've let show up in their ecosystem. By that time, they have, they have trained that muscle. And I can walk out of there and they know what that feels like now to make a next action decision on something. And, you know, I still avoid, you know, I still resist it. But it's one of the best habits in the world is to empty the intray. You asked me you know, initially, so how often, what kind of recursion do you have? Well, you know, after 35 years of doing this stuff, I pretty much empty out and clarify and organize all my stuff every 24, 48 hours. 72 maybe sometimes if I'm on a real roll and traveling a bunch and you know, I'm doing sufficient emergency scanning to make sure nothing's going to blow up on me, and I know I will get to it. You know, within a, within a reasonable period of time. But for the most part, every 24 to 48 hours, I'm picking up, making next action decisions about stuff, handling the two minute stuff, and and, and you know, organizing them, uh, organizing them appropriately, which is how you get your, it's how you get your entry empty. Um and then that ha- that habit, you know, my friend Charles Deweig, who wrote The Power of Habit, you know, talks about keystone habits. Don't go change twenty-two habits, you know, about your productivity. Go go find the one or two that if you actually build those habits in, it makes all the other dominoes sort of, you know, fall in, you know, fall into place. And one of mine is getting that in basket to zero because that forces me to deal with those ugly emails, to deal with that. You know, I'm living in the Netherlands, just starting to try to learn Dutch, and I still get a bunch of stuff in Dutch in my mail, like the tendency for me to go, oh, no, and add it to some sort of stack, you know, that, that I don't deal with is still there for me. And so this great wonderful habit. Called, oh, come on, David! You teach this stuff. Get the get the basket. I need to see that in basket empty. And so it forces me to then make some of those hard decisions. You know, about, okay, what exactly is this thing? Uh, are they giving me money? Do they want me to pay the money? I, I, I don't know. I, Google Translate. Come on, you know, crank it up. <laughs> Figure it out. You know, and, and so I, it forces me to go through you know that sort of thinking process and 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 apply that thought process. But I understand the resistance to it. Yeah. Believe me
0: you talked about habits that this falls back into or curves back round onto, I should say, the fourth and fifth step of reflect and engage, especially in the, I'm not going to talk about all the different quote moves in the workbook, but move nine and move 10 fall under reflect and engage the steps Mm -hmm. uh, four and five. And these are really the, I mean, I'm not going to say the other parts of the system are less important, but these are the ones that are that strongest uh, habit slash muscle memory to build in where you're doing the weekly review as well as that daily review, deciding slash acting and even thinking because then that's where you realize that then curving back into step two, the clarify when you're getting your in tray to empty and you're getting your emails to zero, you're suddenly able to act quicker over there Because you've done the further down the line, quote, uh, steps of continually doing a weekly review, continually doing a daily review to where your priorities, your goals, your awareness, however you want to address it, are much more clear and you have much more clarity on those in your life.
1: Indeed. Indeed. The strange paradox about the weekly review, where you step back and sort of lift up into the fire tower, and you know, instead, stop hugging the trees and manage the forest a little bit. You know, that's where you, you climb up in the fire tower. You can see smoke coming in the distance. If you're there mm-hmm. hugging a tree, you don't see the smoke till it's in your tree. Uh, it's really nice to step up and take a have a little bit of an altitude that you're that you're thinking about things in a larger way. But the strange thing is that if you're not actually doing real weekly reviews, you're actually trying to do it all the time. You're, yeah. you're sitting there spinning. Should I? What should I be doing? Am I doing the right thing? And it's a spin. And you know, as I say, I, I sort of make it a little bit facetious, but there is a little truth to it that I think about once a week. You know, and you're, you're you're you know, right now I'm kind of dumb and happy because I I did a weekly review and I'm going to do another one. And that kind of thinking is is sufficient. It does what I call hardwire my intuitive intelligence, so it lets me make much more trusted choices spontaneously. See, we don't have time to think. We need to have already thought. You know, life is coming at us at a hose speed and volume, and you you need to have already finished your thinking so that you can then trust your intuitive judgments. It's like when they jump you in a dark alley that's too late to practice your karate moves.
0: <laughs> yes,
1: that's great. <laughs> you need to have done a thousand of them in the dojo you know then when it, then when it, they jump you, you know it's, it's still kind of messy, but at least it's you know spontaneous and you can trust your, your, your movements and your judgments.
0: This is one of the things that still uh ties back in. I really see up early in the capture stage, and I'll jump here to move three, which is doing a mind sweep, which is one of my favorite things, by the way. Uh, I used to call it mind dump, but I think a sweep is actually a better, more, I don't know, just dump feels like you're just turning it over and dropping it and doing and then not doing anything with it, which can right. feel great. Trust me. But a sweep is actually being more... Uh, careful and/or systematic, and I, I love. You know, I had forgot. I'll, I'll be honest. I had forgotten in all the progress that I'd made with um, with mind sweeping. The future mind sweep uh, trigger list was something that I, had kind of gotten away from me. And as I was going through the workbook, I realized, oh, you know, this makes complete sense to have this trigger list of, you know, if you do these consistently enough, some of the same topical issues do continue to arise. Why not have those written down almost as writing prompts, but for mind sweep triggers. Mm -hmm. I love it. Sure.
1: Well, everything is a checklist. There are things to check. What you do once you check on it is quite different depending on what the list is. You know, I have a list of restaurants that I might want to go back to in Thailand, you know, and, and in Berlin. Uh, I don't need to look at those checklists unless I'm going to be in Thailand or, in berlin and so but a checklist of things that i ought to be asking myself on some consistent basis is there anything about that that i need to grab or whatever because it gets pretty subtle those loops that we open internally so people often think this is a fairly mundane process and it, it To some degree, it is about the mundane mundaneness of your life. Oh, I need cat food. Oh, I need to buy. I need new batteries for my iPhone. Oh, I need to yada yada. You know, but it's also, gee, what am I going to do about hiring this consultant? Yes or no? Should we really go to a therapist? You know, I don't know. You know, whatever. And so, all of those are are in a sense dealt with the same way, just as just as as obvious or just as um, necessary to grab those things that have your attention, and then have you make the, those interesting decisions about them. Well, what's your final outcome about therapy? Why do you think you need it? What, what would be wildly successful about all that? Why, what, what's the outcome you're after? Um, and, you know, what's the next action? So you, you apply this to multiple levels of sophistication and subtlety. Uh, but getting really, really clear, if you want a really, really clear head to your point, you're going to need to take a look
0: at you know all of those things that potentially have your attention,
1: subtle or not.
0: Obviously, I think the reason for me that I see a connection between a weekly review and a daily review and also doing a mind sweep is that once I'm done with a weekly review or have done a hopefully much shorter than a week, a weekly review, a daily review uh, time wise, I can't help but think, you know what? Okay. Is there any quick sweeping in my mind that I need to do real quick back at the beginning of the cycle of capturing? And if so, let's do that now. And again, that might shake loose some two-minute tasks or uh, some thoughts or feelings. And and by having that this mind sweep trigger list correlates back into some of the things that I'm checking in on that are maybe further down the pipeline. In terms of weekly review with projects, ongoing projects at least, or stuff that could potentially bloom into new projects?
1: Well, you know, life is not static. (laughs) It's constantly shifting and changing. And so your system has to be constantly dynamic. I'm sure. Do you have a drawer in your desk?
0: Yes, it's right here.
1: Everything in there belonged there at one point. Yeah. Things change. Those ballpoint refills were perfectly. That was a great place for them when you had that pin. Now <laughs> so you don't have the pin. They're now trash, right? So you know, crap self generates doesn't self destruct simply because the nature of things change just because of time. So you know, you go through your files. You kept you keep things that you think are important then, but they become less and less and less important. At some point, you need to curate them. And the same thing is true on a weekly review. And these these are not static things, as you know. You know, if you do them, uh, they're quite dynamic and quite creative. And you oftentimes then, when you're cleaning up and clarifying and organizing, you then generate more stuff you need to capture. <laughs> you know, So, you know, the creative process doesn't stop. It's one of the reasons that the people actually most attracted to GTD are the people who need it the least. They're already the most creative aspirational, inspirational, positively focused people, that's actually why they are so attracted to GTDs, because they've, they've sort of thrown themselves out of their own comfort zone with their own creativity and productivity. Mm-hmm. You know, they've just created so much more that they haven't been able to catch up with, and they need to upgrade their systems You know, to be able to do that. And they already know the value of system. They already know the value of this kind of thinking process. So those are the the good news about my professional life is I've I've had the opportunity to spend thousands of hours with some of the best and brightest people you'd ever meet because they were so attracted to this work.
0: One of the other objections that I've seen, it comes up in the, the weekly review process where they didn't originally think that it was a project, it was a task. And then it blooms into a project. Again, this is one of the things that as you get better, uh, sorry, as you get more experience with it, you become more adept at discovering that and then transforming it and, and moving forward with that. But, but what do you say to people who are like, oh, no, this task just became a project. What do I do?
1: Yeah, say, well, congratulate yourself. You're, <laughs> you're, you're you're learning. You're getting better and better. at that. I still have to work at that. I'll be doing some stuff and then realizing, wait a minute. You ever made a phone call that you thought would end something, and it didn't? It turned into something weird and strange and took a weird left turn. you know. And now you got off the phone, and now there's still something that needs to be resolved or clarified that you didn't expect. And that's when you know, recognizing that, and, and if that will take more than one step to resolve it or complete it, you now have a project. But that's why the weekly review is sort of the safety net to catch those kind of things, because those are subtle. They're subtle for me, too. I go, David, oh, come on. Okay, now I got a project. And I just go to my project list and add, you know, R&D. You know, okay, I need to look into X, Y, and Z. Or now I need, to, I need to finalize X, Y, and Z. And many times, you know, some things get completed and they, they, they produce another project simply out of your inspiration or good ideas or your creativity. And so starting to recognize when something emerges that you're not going to be able to finish and write off as done you know, in one step, that's very creative process.
0: You just illustrated what the obvious, or I should say the, the, what should become obvious as you've done it enough times is with every new project that suddenly springs out of what is, what was originally just a task is identify what is that neck one next action for that project. Indeed. What about uh, for people out there who maybe aren't as in control of their own tasks slash projects that are delegated to them, or if they're delegating to them to other people, that's another place where things get really murky for some of us.
1: Yeah. And, you know, a lot of people say, gee, I can't, why even bother trying to get organized? I get too many interruptions and too many things get thrown at me ad hoc kind of as they come at me and I just have to deal with them. And, you know, many times that is the nature of somebody's job. And so, as I say, well, you better handle everything that you can handle and that you can control so that when those things you don't expect happen, uh, you can deal with them elegantly. You know, as I say, there's one organization that never has fires and crises and interruptions, and that's the fire department (laughs) because they're organized for that. Yeah, yeah, they're they're ready. Yeah. Well, and, and what they're doing is if they're not on some sort of a call to do what they need to do, they're getting ready for the next one. And they don't know when it's going to show up or what it's going to look like. You know, That's a great lesson to be learned because it is a lot of people think they're firefighting out there all the time. Uh, and sometimes latest and loudest is exactly the most tactical strategic thing to do, because you don't want to do it simply because it's latest and loudest. You want to do it because the latest and loudest thing is the most strategic thing to do. <laughs> so in order to know that, you need to have captured everything else. Mm-hmm. and clarified and organized it so you can you can that's why when i'm not doing anything else eric i'm cleaning up my entries and inputs to zero because there's a surprise coming toward me i can't see and when that hits you know i want as small a backlog of unclarified unorganized stuff as possible so that i can evaluate that new opportunity or that new challenge from in, in a clear
0: deck we've talked about this a little bit earlier the benefits of the workbook being the simplification of the Methodology so it can be more easily understood and adopted, but there's also some other benefits that lean into those same attributes. Uh, in terms of again, the work, in other words, the workbook is not just a more simplified version of the book. It's a workbook. Why did you guys decide to lean in on this work aspect of it? The experience of the GTD methodology as you go through this workbook.
1: Well, again, that comes from a lot of the, uh, you know, quite quite elegant expertise that we've, you know, that we've worked with in terms of people who really understand instructional design. And we didn't want this to be a, just a repeat. It was truly look. Uh, you've either looked at the book, heard about it, uh, thought it was too daunting, or whatever, or maybe you heard somebody talk about it, or maybe even went to a seminar, but you feel like you just didn't know where to start or how to do that. You know, that's why this was designed to not just be a regurgitation, if you will, of that, but that it would actually get you to do it. And, you know, we're building, you know, their QR codes in here so that when when people are saying, gee, I want more information about that, you can click on that and you'll hear me talk about it for two or three minutes and give you some more explanation, put some more flesh and blood on whatever the topic is, if you're interested in digging deeper. So we wanted to build all that in for people to, again, make it easier.
0: Yeah. I I I personally would say that if somebody is has never read GTD or they've heard of it, they've never given it a, a a true look before, this is the place to start. This is the place this is the thing that I would give um even potentially to a teenager. Even mm-hmm. though I, even though you've got the teenage, you know, GTD for teens book, I think I'd almost give them this and then mm-hmm. the other one as kind of a you know what, there you go. Uh as as we get into um Oh what is it called? Like we're we're just starting the school year now here in the states again, but this is a great uh, graduation present for you know anybody or any time really. This Christmas yeah. present, whatever. Uh the pairing of the the getting things done workbook and the GTD for teens would be great uh it, for that it, age.
1: You know, one of the one of our objectives was to essentially make this a taster. Yeah. You know, so now you can taste it. You can taste what this is like because you, there's you know, uh, I learned years ago from a very sophisticated guy in the corporate world. He said there's no cheaper advertising than free samples. So if I put something in your hand so you can taste it, t- look it, touch it, feel it, you're much more likely to buy it in the store, the bigger version of it. Yeah. So, and and this wasn't done so much as a sales tool, but more of an educational tool that says, OK, here's a taster. If you want to dig deeper, get the getting things done for teens book or get the, the, the getting things done book or go to a seminar or get coaching. You know, there are a lot of ways to take this a much deeper dive into this methodology.
0: Yeah, this really does feel like it's the I don't know, the analog paper version of sitting down and doing a, a getting things done intro course. And, and I guess that's probably your intention, right?
1: Yep, yeah, it is. Yeah. And the, the, that's what we do in, in our getting things done courses is you actually walk people into it. But the nice thing about this is you can do this where you're actually going to apply it at your desk, in your house, you know, wherever you are. That's where you're going to apply the, the, the practices anyway. So that's kind of nice to do that. Uh, that's why, you know, when the. We don't have really the the, the the kind of digital version of the training that, that we, we think we probably will have at some point. But the good news is that you've got a workbook right in your hand and right at home or right at your desk at work or whatever. And you can, oh, let me go get an in-basket. So you go to the supply closet and get yourself an in-tray, you know, so you can do it right there and actually start to, start to do the
0: moves. This is great. I, I really just think people need to get their hands on it. I love the QR code aspect, too, by the way, the, that you mentioned. I was going to bring that up, but you did it first. <laughs> and I thought, oh, that's going to be that's going to be perfect. It's out now. Uh, this this episode has dropped. And obviously, because people are listening to it and <laughs> the book is out there now. So go over. I'll put I'll put links in the show notes to it. And uh, it, it's going to be great. You, you really need to check out the workbook. And uh, David, it's great talking with you as usual. I can't wait to see what you do next.
1: Thanks, Eric. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for the invitation.
0: Well, that's another podcast crossed off your podcast listening to do list. I hope that you enjoyed this conversation with David Allen. I know that I always like speaking with David. He was so gracious to come on the show years ago within the first 10 to 15 episodes. I think when I first got started has been a regular returning guest ever since. And as I say, in that conversation with him, the getting things done workbook is pretty amazing. It is definitely maybe a better starting place for productivity in general, but GTD specifically than anywhere else. I've linked up to that in the show notes. You can go check that out at list.com. Just search for David Allen. You'll find this episode's show notes. If you found this episode helpful, would you do me the favor of sharing this with somebody that you know needs to hear it? Click that share button in whatever podcast player you're listening to this on. And thanks again for sharing. Thanks for listening. And I will see you next episode. Hey, thanks for listening to the end. If you're looking for a show to start helping you apply these productivity lessons on your business, check out Millionaire University. It's real lessons from real entrepreneurs teaching you what you need to know to improve your business or start one if you've been putting it off. It covers all aspects of business from starting, marketing, growing, managing, and everything in between, wearing all the hats. And as an added bonus, I am conducting a number of those conversations, those interviews, so you'll fit right in again, that's millionaire university. Just search for it in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to this podcast.